Hello, welcome to this episode of Herbal Wisdom. I'm Chris Vaughn, Certified Clinical Herbalist and the Owner and Program Director of Herbal Wisdom Institute. I've been working as an herbalist and an educator for the past 10 years, and what I really love most about herbalism is the community that it has allowed me to create around myself of other herbalists. You know, when we gather community together of like-minded individuals, we have this incredible opportunity to learn so much from each other. We're never out there alone. And where I'm weak in a certain area, another herbalist is strong and vice versa. So, you know, we have this ability to all work towards making change in our local communities and beyond. And it's a wonderful thing to be a part of. Today on this episode of Herbal Wisdom, I'm excited to have a guest on the show who is one of those herbalists in my herbal community. Darcy Blue is with us today, and she's a shamanic herbalist and wildcrafter. She's an earth medicine guide, a wilderness first responder, and the owner of Shamana Flora in Flagstaff, Arizona. Hi, Darcy. Thanks for spending time with me today. Hi, Chris. Thank you so much. It's an honor and a pleasure to be able to talk to you about our favorite subject in the world, plants. Definitely my favorite topic. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now, I'm also excited because you're going to be a speaker at the Southwest Herb Fest, which will be held in Prescott, Arizona in May of this year. And you're going to be teaching at that event about Southwest tree medicine. I'm really excited to have you there to share your special wisdom and your medicine philosophy with the attendees of that event. And I'm just also happy that you're on here today to talk with our listeners because tree medicine is a really interesting topic. And it's mm -hmm. an area of herbalism that I really haven't gotten into that much. So I'm excited to be learning cool. from you about trees. So, so tell us what, what do you find is so special about working with trees as your medicine allies? You know, it's, um, it's been a long process, but there was a time several years ago where I moved from the Southwest to New England and suddenly found myself surrounded by trees all the, all over the place. You know, I mean, we have trees in the Southwest by all means, but like to live in the middle of the forest was a very new experience for me. And I, at the same time, I, I started a course for my own purposes on the Ogum, which is um, a Celtic Druidic divination and alphabet that's based on symbolism of trees and so I really began to feel connected with the trees as these allies and teachers and symbols of um, the land and personal emotional and spiritual um, growth and medicine and a lot of the trees from that system, from the Celtic lands, are trees that we have in modern herbal medicine. You know, there's hawthorn and elder and um, oak and all these very familiar trees. So it was a really amazing way to kind of dive into that um, from a, a traditional, like, wisdom place of trees as allies and as medicine. And, of course, as an herbalist, I was also learning about and using the plants around me for medicine. And so suddenly I was around all these trees um, that I was not familiar with and I was learning about them. And um, so the thing about trees is like one of my teachers once said, they're like 
they're the most similar plants to humans in their spiritual energetic role because they are just like us rooted into the earth and then they have their their body you know like bridging the gap between the heavens and then they're connected to the sky and so like humans we're running through the underworld the middle world and the upper world in our own energetic way and spiritual way and the trees also do that um and so they're they're very kin to us and we you know if you think about evolution of humans you know we originally came from the forest out into you know the prairies and the meadows and different landscapes but the trees were our original home and so i feel like there's this very ancient and uh, primal spiritual emotional physical kinship that we have with the trees and they're so wonderful because they're always there for us you know even in the middle of winter and it's dumping snow on us out here right now in Flagstaff and um, you know the plants are all asleep the the herbs and the you know the less woody plants go to sleep in the winter but the trees you need medicine you can go out there and find them in the middle of winter or in the spring when things aren't growing yet and so it's wonderful to have this medicine that's pervasive and constant throughout the year and of course depending on the tree that you're working with you know the part of the medicine may be specific to a season um but you know like conifers for example you can go out and harvest conifer needles or resins any time of year for your medicinal needs. Um, whereas cottonwood is another tree that grows around here in the Southwest. You know, you would harvest the buds at a very specific time of year. So this depends on the tree that you're working with, but I really like that they're available to us year round, even if it's, you know, not uh, the middle of summer when most of us are out harvesting or growing our plant allies and our medicines. And I think, also because they have such long lifespans and long memories. Like to me, the trees are these wisdom keepers for us as humans to remind us of time. You know, we're on such a small scale of time as humans and like these trees and some of them, you know, it's hundreds and hundreds of years. If you talk about some of the, uh, like the redwoods, like these trees are so ancient and they hold so much wisdom and they've seen so much time pass on the earth and they hold memories of, you know, the old ways that humans were working with before our time and our culture. And they provide us with so much, like just on a basic level, you know, our the wood for our homes and our fires and paper and, you know, there's so much that they offer us. Um, and there's this wonderful song that um, is about trees that I heard this year. It's by this artist named Ayla Nareo, and it's called Whispers. Um, and it's the song about all the different trees and how they are, like, um, providing us the air that we breathe. You know, they are, like, providing oxygen so that we can be here on this earth and breathe in oxygen and then we breathe out carbon dioxide and they breathe that in and so we're in this constant reciprocity with 
I mean, all of the green plants, but the trees are the largest source of that. And like, so we are super connected. And the song is so beautiful. And it's about loving the trees and honoring them. And like, what can we do to um, repair our relationship with the tree beings as humans? Um, just, you know, because our culture has done so much uh, that's disrespectful, you know, clear cutting of forests and that kind of thing. So it's a wonderful song and it makes me cry every time I hear it. It's just really beautiful. So I would definitely put that out there into the, as a seed for people to go and listen to that. It's, you know, really a beautiful representation of the magic and relationship that we have with the trees as allies and as medicine teachers. I'm definitely going to have to look that up. That sounds wonderful. Yeah. And I love how, um, you mentioned that the you know the trees are the closest representation to us as humans and all the wisdom that they carry because i do find when i'm out in the woods um, there are so many times where i just have to sit with my back against a tree because i just feel like that's exactly where i'm supposed to be and mm -hmm. um, that there is a message that is that i'm supposed to be getting while i sit there you know, I, when I'm talking with my students, I yeah. always talk about Peter Bigfoot. Um, in one of his books, he says, he talks about the juniper tree, which I love the junipers. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. he said that there's these, there's, they're a tree of happiness. And so he says, find a juniper and when no one is looking, hug it for 10 <laughs> minutes and you will be happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I love that he says, when no one is looking, right? Because people, you know, right. the whole tree hugger thing, right? But I tell people, yeah, I'm mm -hmm. a tree hugger now, because I do. I go, I sit mm -hmm. and hug my trees. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, like, we should, all of us should be hugging trees no matter who's looking. <laughs> we should be right. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> So, so is that when you went to live in New England, is that when you first started working with trees or were you just learning about them at that point and did your work begin later? Um, it, it was definitely like the time that I really started to focus in on the trees as medicine. Um, you know, I was familiar with the trees in the Southwest and I had been using, you know, cottonwood and ocotillo and some of the plants, you know, the trees that have grown here. But it was at that time that I really deepened that relationship and became, you know, allied with several trees. And, you know, some of the trees that I really loved were from New England and I don't work with them as much anymore because they don't grow here in the Southwest, you know, like black birch or something like that. Um, but it was, it was just the time that I really dove into it along with my herbal, you know, practice. And, and when I came back to the Southwest, you know, there's so many trees here that are medicinally amazing. And people think, oh, the desert, there's no trees there. But I'm like, well, wait a second, we have a lot of trees. You just have to get to the right, you know, microclimate or environment for each kind of tree. Right, right. We do have, we do have a lot when, when I really think about it. We have such a yeah. lush desert here in Arizona, like, like the whole state. Um, you yeah. know, more plant diversity here than really anywhere in the country. Yeah. So yeah. And it's really amazing. amazing. We have everything from, you know, walnut trees and apple trees and 
we have wild native elders, and then there's all the conifers, you know, the ponderosas and opinions and the junipers. I'm just like, there's so many trees here. Yeah. Now, what are the different kinds of medicines that you're getting from trees? So trees, you know, there's specific parts of the trees that we use as medicines. Bark is probably the most common one that people think of and use as a tree medicine. And that would be come from, you know, harvesting twigs or bark from the tree. And of course, harvesting bark, you want to be very respectful of how you harvest that, you know, and not, I never take it from the main trunk. Like I've seen pictures of, you know, trees that have just been like stripped of huge chunks of bark off the main trunk. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's so unnecessary. <laughs> um, right. You know, but taking limbs or twigs off of a tree and pruning it correctly, you know, then you can strip the bark off of those smaller pieces. Um, the thing that I really like about using twigs of trees is that you don't even really need to strip the bark off of them. You can just chop them into small pieces and you're going to get really good medicine for tinctures or for teas. Um, so, you know, it's that's the most common kind of medicine. And barks are great because they last a long time. You know, they're hardy and um, you can, you know, make teas or tinctures from them depending on what you're using it for. Um, like, for example, alder is a tree that I work with that grows in the Southwest and kind of all over the country. And I use the bark of alder in tinctures and I make an infused oil from it for topical use. Um, so it's a really versatile part of the plant that can be worked with. Um, and then there's the leaves, which, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily think about using tree leaves like as the medicine. Obviously in conifers, you know, we have the needles, which are the modified leaves and that's a pretty big common used commonly used leaf tree leaf medicine like pine needles as a tea um, but a lot of the rose family trees you know hawthorn and apple and um, peach like those are really amazing medicines that come from the leaves of the tree you know and those then have to be harvested like at, in the peak of summer when the leaves are lush and you know um, present and, you know, in terms of like hawthorns, we use leaves and flowers and the berries, but we don't really use the bark of that tree. Um, so, you know, it just depends on the tree, which medicine you're going to be looking at. But the leaves are really a wonderful medicine and sometimes unexpectedly. Um, like a lot of people will use apple leaves, which is not a very commonly thought of medicine, but it's really amazing medicine for the digestive system it's great for like acid reflux and um it's a mild bitter so it stimulates productive digestion and it's not one that people always think of um and then there's like flowers tree flowers um and i think that's probably the least common medicine part of the trees but you know hawthorn flowers apple blossoms I have a real love for cherry blossoms from the wild cherry trees. Um, and I make a, a tincture from those cherry blossoms um, specifically for anxiety and racing heart as a nerving, which most people think of cherries like cherry bark for coughs. 
but I find that the flowers have a wonderful, powerful nerving effect for, um, you know, racing heart, anxiety, emotional anxiety, and can actually be almost sedative. So if people are having trouble sleeping from that kind of nervous anxiety and grief, it can be really helpful for that. And then let's see, fruits. We think of tree fruits. I mean, there's a lot of the tree fruits that we think of and use are actually from the rose family, you know, like apple, hawthorn, um, plums, peaches, those kinds of things. Um, but there's also like walnut hulls that comes from the fruit. Um, trying to, juniper berries, that's another fruiting part of the tree. So that's another form of the medicine. And depending on the tree, it might be available only in certain times during the summer or fall. But those fruits are great for storing. You know, and you can make jams and jellies as medicinal foods from hawthorn or from apple. I made a wonderful hawthorn mead a year ago um, from the hawthorn berries that I'd harvested. And so that was it's a beautiful medicinal fermented product that is, you know, connected to the land and the trees that I work with here in Flagstaff. So it's a real treasured little bottle of um, mead that I made. Um, that sounds beautiful. Yeah. it's. I love the fruits because you can use them so well as food medicines. Um, you know, and you're not necessarily always going to tincture the fruit because it's delicious. Although, you know, making an alcoholic fermented product like mead, or you could do, you know, an infused brandy with wild cherries and that's amazing and delicious too. So they're fun because they can be really delicious and like familiar, you know, um, and right. they'll be very right. medicinal. And then the last medicine part of the trees, which is more specific to conifers, um, but I really like working with them are the resins. Um, so pinion resin or any pine resin, cottonwood buds, the specific medicine on the buds is the resin that's on those buds in the spring. And even trees like mesquite, they actually leak. I think it's more of a sap that they're leaking um, than a resin. And there's an important distinction to make between sap and resin because I do hear that sometimes confused. Sap is actually what's running through the tree to transport water and nutrients. And we will tap a tree, like we'll tap a maple or tap a birch to access the sap, you know, and then usually turned into syrup. Um, but the resin is actually exuded by the tree when there's a wound on the surface to cover the wound and protect it. And so those resins are really amazing because it's like you're tapping into the immune system of the tree. It has all those um, secondary metabolites and aromatics and all those chemicals from the tree that, that it's secreting to protect itself from infection or a wound or that kind of thing. So working with tree resins is a wonderful way to capture that kind of um, medicine for ourselves. So, you know, putting like pinion resin is one of my favorites and I'll make a salve and you can put that salve on a cut or a scrape or a rash or something like that to protect it and disinfect it. Uh, so you're working with the tree medicine in that way. Um, so I think that's kind of like the basic, you know, parts of tree medicines, leaves, barks, fruits, flowers, and resins. 
Um, and certainly it's, you know, fluid. And one of the things I always encourage my students to do is to listen to the tree when you're working with it. You know, you don't necessarily have to always follow only what's in the book, you know, like, for example, like Hawthorne, for many years, people were only using Hawthorne berries as the medicine. And then we've discovered even, I think, through science that actually the leaves and flowers have an immense amount of medicinal property to them. Um, and there's been times where I've like taken the thorns of the hawthorn and thrown them into a medicine for the energetic protection properties. Um, but also, you know, it's just like knowing the tree and the plant and the medicine itself, but also being open to working with the tree in a way that maybe isn't always written about. Um, so, you know, I mean, there's like alder bark is the traditional medicine that you'd read about in, you know, William Cook or King's dispensatory. Like it's been used a long time, but I've also found that the leaves of the alder tree have amazing medicinal properties that I work with as well. And, they don't write about the alder leaves as the medicine so much. Um, and the, it's the same thing with birch. Like people use birch bark a lot, but the leaves are an amazing medicine for the kidneys. Um, and we don't think about that as much. Um, so in, it's, you know, just to be aware that all the tree parts may be useful, even if it's not something that you've read about or written about. As long as your tree is not poisonous, you know, you can experiment with it. Right. So once you know your tree and right. that, you know, the tree that you're wanting to work with, then that's really where your um, ability to tap into your intuition and your communication with the plant comes in. Yeah. And really exactly. being open to what is that plant offering to you. Right. Exactly. Like I had an experience with, with Ocotillo, which is one of our native plants, and I kind of consider it a tree. Um, I don't know if it's technical classification. I've been looking it up and I can't seem to find anything, but I consider it like a tree. You know, it has leaves that are deciduous and it has a bark. And the way that I was taught by my first teacher was that it's only useful when you take the bark and fresh, you know, and make a tincture from it. And I was sitting with that plant once and I, it was just really like, um, hello, <laughs> why don't you make tea? You know, like this is the bark, just like many other barks. And I was like, huh, that's really interesting because I kind of had just written it off based on what somebody had told me. And I was like, well, that doesn't really make sense logically. You know, we use lots of other barks. And I started harvesting it and making tea with it. And I found it to be really effective, you know, as a tea. So, that was just one example of like sitting and listening and like saying, Oh, well, you know, just because somebody said that I've been following that, but I didn't experiment with it. And then when I did, it was clearly this medicine was still useful in a different form than I had been taught. Yeah. It's really easy for us to kind of pigeonhole our herbs into, you know, one way of using them. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it is super important that we, that we be open to, to hearing yeah. different things and to experimenting with different things. And um, so that's really awesome that you were able to yeah. do that. 
So now I know you wildcraft a lot of your medicine, probably mm-hmm. most of your medicine, right? Well, most so, of the definitely, yeah. Yeah. So like being here in the, in the Southwest, you know, we have a very different landscape than other mm-hmm. really lush environments. So right. what are some of the challenges that you find um, when you're wildcrafting here in the Southwest? Um, and or some things maybe that people should be thinking about uh, or paying attention to if they are wanting to wildcraft. Right. Yeah, and this is true about more than just trees in the Southwest. Um, but to be really mindful that like sometimes a population of a certain plant is going to be very local or limited to that particular area. You know, so if you're harvesting a lot of a particular plant in one area, that might be the only place it is for hundreds and hundreds of miles because that's where the water hole is, you know. So you have to be really mindful of the environment. Um, We have these microclimates in these pockets based on the landscape, you know, whether there's water present in the desert, that's going to create a whole different environment than hundred yards down the way where it's dry, you know, and so just because there's a lot of one plant in that one particular area doesn't mean there's a lot of that one plant everywhere. Um, so you have to be very mindful of like those kinds of environmental limiting factors and how local and endemic that plant is in that area. You know, like for example, wild nettles, I found it in exactly two places in the state, you know, one high up in the mountains in Southern Arizona by a Creek and then one by a big river um, in northern Arizona, you know. And so there's, like, these two places, like, people are like, oh, nettles is the most common plant ever. I'm like, well, not in Arizona. You know, it's great that we have these two places where they're locally abundant, but it's not like I could harvest there and send everybody to harvest there because that's the only places I found them. You know, they need to be mindful of that. you know, and then I think for a lot of our plants in the Southwest, season is very, very important because we have such dramatic uh, dry and wet seasons. You know, we have the summer monsoon the and the drier, you know, seasons, um, pre-summer and autumn. The winters, sometimes they're dry, sometimes they're wet. But um, that's really important when you're looking at specific plant medicines. So... You know, obviously with the trees, it's a little different because the trees are standing all year round. But if you're talking about other plant medicines that you might be gathering, you know, cottonwood buds, they're only available for a very short period of time in the early spring. Um, so you have to be kind of on top of your your seasonal harvesting time. Um, hawthorn berries or flowers, you know, up here in Flagstaff, it's only for a few weeks in May that the flowers are out and then only for a few weeks in the fall when you can catch the berries before all the birds and wildlife get them. Um, You know, if you're working with like a prickly pear cactus, you know, the pads are around all year round, but if you want to harvest fruit, you got to be there at the right time. Mesquite pods, you know, again, that's the specific summertime harvest. Um, So just being really mindful of, you know, the timing of the harvest for your plants. 
because if you live in New England, you can go out and harvest your nettles all summer long. Here, you know, you're going to, if you find them or, you know, grow them, it's only going to be a short period of time where they're going to be really juicy and lush before the sun and the dry and everything gets to them. Um, yeah, so it ends up, yeah. you know, you have to be really watching and then it's drop everything yeah. because it's time to harvest. <laughs> yeah, I remember, you know, with like wild oats, like there's patches of it as a weed all over the state, but like they are ready for harvest for about, you know, two weeks when they're in that milky stage. But I remember like going back to the same stand that I've been going to for 10 years and every year I had to go several times over several weeks to catch it because you know you can't know exactly when it's going to pop you know so I'd go and check and then I'd go back the next week and check again <laughs> go back the next yeah. week and check again <laughs> you know until it's ready otherwise you're going to miss I it. I was doing that with Ocotillo flowers I really wanted Ocotillo mm -hmm. flowers for some tea and mm -hmm. I was out in this one area like every day for a week just waiting for the flowers <laughs> to be fully open and I was like oh not Great. today come back tomorrow not oh today. not today yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah so I think our seasonal extremes really affect our harvesting timing and the kind of you know um, just thinking about when we're going out to harvest and the other thing is like and this is true for anywhere but I think it is very important in the southwest where we have such endemic populations of, of plants you know for example like osha um or like the hawthorn it's like in a very specific area like we have to be mindful and of tending those populations over time you know and like it's so wonderful to have been able to work with plants that grow in the same stand over 15 years of my practice, you know, and go back to the same stand of plants over and over again um, and see what's happening with them. You know, are they thriving? Are they not thriving? Is the water affecting the drought affecting them? And I just remember in Southern Arizona where I lived for many years, you know, there were certain populations of plants that I would go and visit in the, you know, every summer and over, I think it was about a span of 10 years from when I started my herbal studies until about the time that I moved back up or up to northern Arizona. And I saw the effects of the, the, the drought on these populations of plants that I had been working with. And like, they're just like, even something as common as mullein or primrose, like they were sparse because the water situation you know, and up here in the northern Arizona, you can see the trees that are turning brown from the drought. And it's like, I think it's really important to us as herbalists and as plant people and as people who are concerned about the environment and nature, like tending and watching what's happening on the earth, you know, so that we can be one effective stewards and speak up when we need to about situations. And, and then if we notice that something is not doing well, what can we do about that? You know, spread seeds in a good environment so that another population can grow, stop harvesting from that population in an effort to, you know, keep it in a healthy state. Um, you know, depending on what the plant is and what's going on, but 
being really mindful that we need to be tenders of our plant populations and not just harvesting um, because it's there. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's so important. I'm so glad that you brought that up because, um, you know, I know when we have, when I have new students that start to get excited about going out and wildcrafting things, it's really, um, you know, I have to kind of rein them in a little bit and go, okay, well, just because it's there doesn't mean we're going to take it. You know, we need to really study, you know, what are these plants and how big is the plant population and where else can we find them? And, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of study that has to happen before we ever take from that plant. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. Ecologically conscious of, yeah, exactly. Well, awesome. I am really glad that we got to sit and have this conversation today. I thank you so much for being here. Um, You do a lot of teaching also, and you have an apothecary. And so if people listening today wanted to get in touch with you, they want to work with you or um, learn from Mm -hmm. you, how can they get in touch with you? Um, So the best way to find out what's going on with me is to join my newsletter um, and you can do that if you go to shamanaflora.com. There's a newsletter link and you can sign up for the newsletter. And that is where I like consistently announce things that are happening, whether it's a class or something like that. Um, so that's the best way to like get appraised of things that are happening is to be on the, the newsletter mailing list. Um, but my website is shamanaflora.com and there's links to the store there. Um, If you're interested in buying products, I've been pretty slow on production just because of the baby and wanting to spend time with her. Um, So it's not like there's a ton of stuff right now in in the shop, but there's a lot of um, educational material in the store. Um, So if people are interested in doing self-paced, like online learning, there's a lot of stuff in there. There's a book on tree medicine and there's different plants. Like I did a series of plant allies. I can also be reached via email at Darcy, D-A-R-C-E-Y, at shamanaflora.com. That's my email. And, you know, I'm a little slow on the email responses these days, but I will get back to it eventually. Uh, That's okay, because you're taking care of a new little human. So, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. She takes (laughs) up a lot of my time right now, which is wonderful. Um, And I will be offering... Um, a summer herbal um, apprenticeship this year. I haven't quite settled on the dates and format. Usually it's like an overnight camping thing. I'm not 100% sure if we're going to do that with the baby, but I will be doing, you know, the, the apprenticeship this summer in some format, which does, it will involve a lot of going out onto the land and seeing the plants in their natural environment and um, making medicines and that kind of thing. I also have an online um, course, which I offer once a year. It's Introduction to Shamanic Herbalism. And it's it's not an herbalism 101, like here's how to use 100 plants. It's more, you know, there's a Materia Medica section, but it's more like how do you cultivate relationships with plants on a spiritual, emotional, and physical realm so using your plants as medicines physically but then working with them as allies 
in a more um, spiritual and emotional way. Um, so that is probably going to be in April, late April. Um, so if you're interested in doing online study, you know, and you have a little bit of experience with herbs already, but you want to find a way to cultivate your relationships and make them more deep and rich, that's a really good way to do that. So that'll be coming in April this year. That sounds and, great. Yeah. And, you know, just in, in terms of where I'm going and what I'm doing right now, I'm really focusing on my baby and like spending time with her. She's really small, but I spent some time this summer in a training for vision fast and um, wilderness guide. I'm a wilderness first responder. So as she gets a little bigger and we're able to be a little bit more independent, there will be a lot more opportunities to go out onto the land and do ceremony and spend some time in the wilderness learning about plants, but also doing personal healing and uh, vision quest, you know, so there's this whole trajectory of work that's coming in the future, but I'm just in that kind of, I'm still pregnant with that right now, and it's still gestating and growing, and um, so that'll, you know, it's kind of down the road, but I'm just like planting those seeds right now out in the world. Well, and I can't wait to see how that develops. I look forward to yeah to that that's awesome yeah it, it feels like such a natural development from what I've been doing with working with the plants working with them in a spiritual ceremonial way and then you know they all come from nature right and like my time spent in nature with the plants has been my spiritual practice so to speak and so offering that way of connecting with the land and doing personal healing and in that context for people while working with plant medicines for the body or the spirit, you know, and working with ceremonies to call in, you know, intentions or release things that are ready to go. And like that it's, it's a much more holistic, I think way of working with healing and self growth uh, because it's, we're all physical, emotional, and spiritual beings. We all need, you know, we need all of those pieces to be aligned to really become our fullest selves. So I'm excited to like bring that piece in as well. Great, great. Well, I just want to thank you again for being here and sharing all that you're doing and sharing with us about the trees. And, and I look yeah. forward to um, learning more about that when you're at the Southwest Herb Fest. Um, so for all of you listening today, um, the Southwest Herb Fest is a, is going to be a one-day herbal conference in Prescott, Arizona. So you'll be able to come and learn some more about Southwest Tree Medicine from Darcy at that event. And so if you want to learn more about that or register, you would go to www.swherbfest.com. And you'll be able to see the whole speaker lineup there. We have a total of 10 speakers for the day. And you can register right there through the website. Um, also, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you get all of the episodes. Uh, we're on podbean.com and on iTunes. So whichever way you're listening to this, make sure that you hit subscribe. And I look forward to sharing more herbal wisdom with you again next time 
on our next episode. So thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you next time.